All right. It should be merged. Um, so, yeah, I emailed you this morning. Um, this is a, It's a pretty laid-back interview. It's just kind of getting to know you, getting to know your career path, and some of the pain points you come across in your career field and industry on, like, not only a daily basis, but um, just throughout your career, but stuff that's more prevalent. Um, yeah. So, so before we, before I start asking you questions, do you have any questions for me? Um, so tell me a little bit about what, what you're curious on. Are you interested in going into optometry or medicine or developing industry around the profession? Yeah. So, um, what my main goal is, I want to create kind of a visual aid for the visually impaired and, um, Right now, I'm trying to figure out what the best angle to go at that would be. And um, so what I'm trying to do is I'm like, I'm learning how the industry works, how it's regulated, and um, how optometrists and doctors could use a product and um, actually implement it into their uh, services. And so I want to make sure that um, I'm getting, like, I'm getting feedback from people that would actually be using the product or um, kind of putting the product out there. Yeah, that's a great idea. So is this, so tell me a visual aid. Is this something that is like a voice recognition or is this uh, like a wearable device? Yeah, so um, we're still kind of in the planning phase, but the idea of it is that you would have glasses and they'd have they'd have a camera or sensors on top of the glasses. And then they'd be connected to these um, headphones. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're called bone conduction headphones. Okay. And um, they allow you to kind of hear everything around you without putting um, the actual headphones inside your ear canal because um, there's this bone right outside your ear, kind of like hearing aids, that um, you can transmit vibrations into. And so through those vibrations, you'll be able to hear not only the world around you, but also the um, the vibration, the device's sounds. And so what I want to do with the cameras is uh, be able to sense objects and um, implement character recognition so that, um, say, like you're walking down the street, you'll have an alert of, hey, uh, to your right, about five feet away, this object is moving towards you. So just be careful, kind of something like that. That's incredible. Wow, brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so any other questions? No, that that was great. I'm excited about it. All right, thank you. Uh, so let's get started. Um, can you give us kind of an introduction to you, like your job title, how many years you've been in your profession, and how you got into the field? Absolutely. Well, my name is Dr. Becky Miller. I've been an optometrist for 10 years. I got interested in taking care of eyes years ago when I was the one who took my grandparents to their eye doctor appointments. They were affected by glaucoma and macular degeneration in their later years and, you know, lost a significant portion of their vision. And unfortunately, when we lose our vision, we lose our independence, which is, is obviously something that you're interested in solving that problem functionally for patients, which is a pretty powerful goal, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. So 
that's really what got me started in it was kind of similar to your desire. I wanted to try to help people see better and function better. And I felt like I could do that if I became an optometrist. And so that led me down the educational journey that uh, takes anywhere from eight to 10 years for, for most doctors. And that's, that's what it took for me. And it's been, uh, it's been such a joy. I've enjoyed every single day where I get to help people see better, help people live healthier lives and be more functional with better vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. You said that you were in the field for 10 years and I've noticed throughout the, um, People have interviewed that you really have to be kind of you need you need a genuine passion for the field if you're going to be successful and keep continuing in it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, life is is too short, and you'll hear this from a lot of people, but life is too short to do something that you're not passionate about. Um, you know, you you hear people say if you find something you love and you do it, you'll never work a day in your life, and there's a lot of truth and a lot of wisdom in that. It's not to say that some days aren't easier than others, but if you can find something that you enjoy doing, you'll find you'll find that you have more motivation, more desire to do it and do it really well. And it doesn't it doesn't feel like a, a job at that point, which is a joy. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, speaking of passion, I saw that you. Um, Throughout your education at Purdue, you did medical mission trips to Costa Rica, Zimbabwe, and Ecuador, and I found that really interesting. So could you tell us how you got into that? Absolutely. You know, for so many of us, we love to travel, experience different cultures, different people, different countries, and I found that traveling on medical missions kind of combined those two things. You can do something that you're passionate about and a skill set that you can give back to. And you can also explore the world. And as I was, was enjoying some of those medical mission trips and different cultures, different people, different needs in, in certain areas, it gave me a desire to learn a new language. I really wanted to learn Spanish. And so throughout that, that experience, I got exposed to Spanish. And then over the years, when I went to a country school, had the opportunity to learn Spanish and be able to integrate that into my everyday patient clinic experience. And so, you know, I would just highly encourage anybody to travel whenever you can, experience different cultures. You do not have to stay at five-star hotels to have that experience. And wherever you go, if you can, if you can leave something behind, you know, if you can leave a skill set or uh, help somebody, then it makes the world a better place. Yeah, I I totally agree. So um, how would you say was the most prevalent way that um, you helped people? Because I saw that you were providing eye care to the underprivileged. So um, I wanted to better understand in what ways you were doing that. So there's, there's lots of different medical foundations that you can involve in. So if somebody's interested in doing medical mission work, you can you can hop on to dozens of different trips that doctors already have planned, whether it's eyes, dentistry, general medicine, surgery, and they always need help. And so that's that's kind of how I got started. And so the mission trips that I've done, one was for eye health care. So we were doing basically glasses. So we'd measure patients and we would fit them for glasses and we had 
a bunch of donated glasses that we could hand out. And so we would try to match their prescription with the glasses we had on hand, which was a lot of fun. And then there's a general medical mission trip that you can do, and that's that's one that I did where you just see patients who are sick and they need help, and it's basically a primary care mission trip. And so you drive into underserved areas, and people line up, and you see them. And so sometimes that's hundreds of people a day, and, and you don't stop until everybody's taken care of. And so... Those are different types of medical mission trips that I was involved in, whether it was eye care or general health care. I've had other friends who have done, again, dentistry, different things like that. That's just not my particular wheelhouse, which is why I haven't volunteered on any of those trips. But they sound fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really inspiring. Um, One of the biggest questions I had, and I saw that you wrote an article about this, the article was titled, Be Your Patient's Trusted Source for Answers About Refractive Surgery. So I wanted to ask you, like, I'm sure you went to these underprivileged areas and people might have been skeptical of the um, services you were providing. So I'm not sure if you faced that, but um, if you did, was there any, like, how how did you combat that? And um what were some of the methods that you used to combat that? Because I was talking to another optometrist and he told me that a lot of the times when a new product or service comes out, it's hard for an optometrist to um, fully get their patients to to be on board with the idea because it's so new and there might not be um, enough testing or it might not be prevalent enough um, in society for the client to use it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, a really good point. Um, and it's true in so many facets of just life. So if somebody has an unmet need, they are going to find a way to fix it. So with their vision or their eyes, if they can't see well and they need to see the drive, they're going to figure out how to see better. Is that a pair of glasses? Is it a disease that needs treatment? Um, is it something where, unfortunately, maybe we can't help them with modern medicine yet and they need additional aids, maybe a, a white cane or something as extreme as a seeing eye dog? So whenever somebody has an unmet need, they will find a solution if, if the need is great enough. And so that kind of carries over into the industry of products and services. So if, if you've got a product that can help somebody, you're going to have patients line up who want to learn about it. If you have patients who don't have that problem, they're probably not going to be interested in the solution I have to offer. So when we would go into these communities, it would be advertised before we got there. There's going to be doctors here. They're going to be seeing patients who can't see well or they have issues with their eye health. And so those would be people who would come out and they would want help and we'd be able to help them. So all of the people who could see well did not really come to the clinic. They didn't need our help. And so I found the same is true with medical treatments, whether it's a new prescription drug. Um, If somebody doesn't have that problem and I'm trying to give them a dry eye medication or glaucoma medication that they don't need, well, they're not really that interested. And so uh, that kind of carries over into lots of different industries, right? If you have an electric car, somebody's trying to sell you gas, well, I don't need gas. (laughs) So finding, finding the niche of people who need help from a product or service is, is definitely valuable. And it's it's been great to go on some of those mission trips where you really can help people who have 
a significant need in that area. So we've been able to help them that way. And I would say that transitions to just work here in the States and also not, not giving some, somebody something they don't need. And I think that's a big part of being a patient's trusted source and truly their advocate is understanding what's their need. So whenever I sit down and meet a patient for the first time, really common question is, you know, how can I help you? What are you here to fix today? That kind of guides our conversation and helps me understand what I can do to help them. And then obviously there's testing and there's measurements that we do to make sure that their problem really is the problem they think it is. Sometimes the problem they think they have is is different. I had a patient yesterday who had Googled their symptoms and they said, hey doc, I know exactly what I've got. It's optic neuritis and I need I need this medicine. Um, I was like, okay, well, let's take a look. And unfortunately, they, they did not have optic neuritis. They had a macula off retinal detachment, which is a potentially blinding situation, and they needed urgent surgery. Um, they, they could not see. So it was not a situation where they just needed a medicine to make it better. They needed a, a serious full-scope surgery. And even with that surgery, they may, they may not regain their vision. Yeah, wow. Okay. So what I understand is it's more about finding the right demographic for um a product or a service and not really like trying to sell um your clients something that they they don't need and you're you're not really trying to sell them something that just for the sake of selling it. You got it. 100%. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um I'll definitely be using that. Um, another thing about like your studies abroad that that really interested me. I saw that you were in the Inter-American University at, in Puerto Rico. Yes. So um, I saw that within that university, you were in the American Optom- Optometric Association Student Liaison, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I saw you were doing national and international meetings, and I was wondering if you could tell us what those meetings were about and kind of what what the impact was throughout this. Absolutely. You know, optometry school is full of of so many different opportunities, and and that's true for you know any anything in life. There there's opportunities if you seek them out, and one of the unique opportunities in optometry school is serving as a a student uh, liaison, essentially, to the American Optometric Association, and I had the opportunity to do that. And with that, you travel to different meetings, and you get to be involved in in certain decisions that affect the profession. And that was a really eye-opening experience. I got to see how more of the industry side works. You know, you've got your doctor-patient relationships for day to day, but then there's there's a whole industry side that's that you can't leave out. And that has to do with legislation and insurance companies and, um, you know, significant responses on disease changes like glaucoma. What is the AOA stance on this new glaucoma treatment? And what kind of educational opportunities are going to provide our members this year? And so I got to be involved in that with some of the different meetings. And um, that was a great, great opportunity. I really enjoyed that. I would encourage people to get involved in their state, local societies, as well as their national societies, 
and get to know the leadership on those committees because um, it's uh, every most of those people are volunteers and it's it's truly a labor of love when you volunteer to do something like that and a lot of times it's it's the people who are some of the best and the brightest in the industry and so it's it's great to meet those people learn from them and share ideas back and forth on how to make the profession a better place to be Okay, so kind of um, going back to when you said you got to learn more about the industry, it was more like learning how, um, from what I understand, um, how processes were more streamlined and um, made more efficient in order for the, um, in order for optometrists and just the whole eye care community to work better. Right. So when you get involved in a national organization, for example, like AOA, the American Optometric Association, there's several different committees that you can join. And so I joined the Continuing Education Committee. So I wanted to be a part of some of the new educational topics that were going to be coming out for the annual meeting. And so I got to learn, you know, how do you pick speakers? How do you pick topics? And it is incredible how all that happens. I mean, there's just, there's hundreds, uh, thousands of brilliant doctors all over the country who are experts in one arena or another. And, you know, then, so you have interesting topics, but then you have kind of mandated topics. And so there's certain topics that the, the, the government essentially mandates you talk on every single year. And so, for example, one of those is, is human trafficking. And so they want all of the doctors to be aware before you renew your license of certain issues with human trafficking. And that's that's been a powerful course for all of the professions to integrate every year. And they also want us to know about, you know, issues like drug abuse. And so there are certain courses that you have to have every single year to maintain a license. And then there are you know, interesting classes where maybe you want to have your practice specialize in pediatrics. And so you want to learn a little bit more about that. And so I felt really fortunate to get on to the continuing education committee and get to learn more about that side of the, the industry with, with education classes and picking speakers and interesting topics. Okay, that's really interesting. So throughout your career, you've gotten a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the main thing I wanted to understand today, kind of uh, your background and how I, I was reading your bio, but I wanted to hear from you the different perspectives you've been involved in because of the many experiences. So, I mean, I'd like to say thank you for coming on today and telling us about that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm so impressed with all of the work that you're doing. It's it's incredibly powerful to see your initiative and your drive. I'm excited to see, you know, where some of these ideas take you, and I know the future is going to be bright. So, please stay in touch. Let me know how everything goes. If there's anything that I can ever do to help you, please let me know. I've had so many people help me throughout my career and and continue to help me and that's helped me be a better doctor, a better person. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty small world when 
you really get to meet people and you get connected. So if there's anything I can ever do to help, please let me know. I'd be happy to. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I will definitely get back to you on this. And we're actually um, about to start developing our prototype. So if you want to see that, I can get back to you once we're done and kind of give you a, a trial of how it works. Um, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely um, get back to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Parth. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. You too. Bye. Bye.